As I read this morning um, the story of uh, the Japanese admiral, or I can't remember if he was Air Force or Navy, but his, name, his last name was Machida, but he was part of the uh, leading the, the bombing on Pearl Harbor. And there was a, a man named, with the last name DeShazer, who in the Air Force immediately after Pearl Harbor, and he specifically wanted vengeance on Machida. And so he was part of Jimmy, uh, the Doolittle uh, company that basically flew from China or into Japan and bombed Tokyo. And uh, got, he ended up getting shot down, was in uh, was prison camp for three years. And he was on the verge of starvation and death. He asked them for a Bible and they gave it to him. And he read the part about where Jesus forgave those who had put him on the cross. And in that moment, he, he really received the Lord. And he started seeing his Japanese captors the way the Lord has them, and the way the Lord sees them. And, and so instead of feeling vengeance, he felt love for these guys and started for, to forgive them. And he, he, when he came back to the States, he became a missionary. He went to Bible school, became a missionary back to Japan, and he wrote this little pamphlet um, about his testimony. And that pamphlet got, Machido got off the train, and he was described himself as a disillusioned um, ex-pilot who had sought glory in battle, but it, had, it didn't fulfill him. And he read this, the Shazer's pamphlet and began reading a Bible. And he read the part where Jesus forgave those that had crucified him and knew that, that he was that guy that had put, he was one of those that had put Jesus on the cross, and he ends up receiving the Lord. And, and he became, he says he became an ambassador of peace and um, dedicated his life to Jesus and regretted the things that he had done at Pearl Harbor. He said he wished he could go back and, and change that. But to me, it went, you know, the Lord got the, you know, the person that wanted to inflict harm and he, he got the person that wanted vengeance for the harm. You know, he, he came and saved both of those people. And I just think that's just a beautiful testimony of the Lord's goodness, um, kind of like what, what Jeremy is saying. He longs to show mercy. Ezekiel 18 says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He longs for everyone to come and be saved. Um, this morning, I want to talk about being born from above. And, you know, if you've read the Bible, if you've been, you know, heard sermons any sort of time or amount of time, you've probably heard people talk about being born again. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know if there's, uh, I'm sure there's circles of churches that maybe don't talk about it, but in John chapter 1, if you want to turn to the book of John, we'll mainly be in there. But John chapter 1 talks about how we, were been, we have the right to become children of God. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name 
who were born not of the blood, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so, you know, my children, they have never paid a mortgage payment. They've never paid for food. They've never paid for water. There's very little that they've paid for, maybe a few articles of clothing that they have in their room, maybe a few knives. But they really have not paid for very much, but yet they come, in, they come into the house boldly. They open, you know, front doors flings wide open. They get in the pantry. They get in the fridge. They drink my water. They play in my yard. They eat my food. And they have zero shame about it. And this is when it says we, when we have the right to become children of God, this is what happens when we are born again. We're born from above. We have a new home. We have a, a new place that we get, to, we get to eat from the Lord's pantry. We get to eat, drink of his water. Everything that Jesus has bought for us, we get to eat of because of what he, what he has done. And so, to those who believe in his name, not born of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man. I love how it's not, it's not born of the will of man. We weren't born because we made some great decision. We were born again because the grace of God lured us into <laughs> receiving him. You know, the Bible says that there's no one righteous. There's no, not one. And so I believe that God even gave us the grace and the ability to choose him. The Bible talks about being chosen by God, and that's kind of how I believe it, it works out. I don't get into, you know, I went, I went to seminary, and the first day of systematic theology, guys were already arguing about Calvinism and Arminianism, and the Holy Spirit, he said, Travis, remember the law and the prophets are summed up in these two things, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you know, Arminianism, Arminianism, which believes that you choose God, and then you have Calvinism, which believes God chose you, it's not either or, it's both and more, right? And there's mystery in the, in the ways of God. But all that's to say is that there, there is grace to, to even, to, I believe there's grace to even choose the Lord. And, uh, I think that's an amazing thing that he, he's done for us. And so if you turn to John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, and he's talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, meaning he, you know, he was a teacher, a respected teacher. But he had a, a seeking heart. But he tells Nicodemus, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, and it's literally means from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter into a, a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again or from above. So I want you to repeat after me, say, I have been born from above. With gusto. No, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Elliot. Thank you. So it says to be truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So to be born of water is to, is to be born of the baptism of repentance. And so when we're, when we're baptized in water, it's, it's that symbolic it's symbolic of the, the baptism of repentance that we undergo when we receive the Lord. Because when we see the Lord, we realize, I need to follow him. I need to give my life to him. It's a change of heart and it's a change of thinking. And so when, that, when you break the waters of baptism, it's symbolic of, of Jesus, of, of God basically giving birth to you. Because when a woman's water breaks, it's labor time. It's time for the child to come. And so when those waters of baptism break, it's, it's symbolic of, of your birth and the Lord. And then it says to be, to be born of the Spirit. And so this is what it means to be born again in God, is to have a, a baptism of repentance and a baptism in the, of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And I believe that we, there's many, you get to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit as, as much as you want. <laughs> when you receive the Lord, you know, as I, I grew up in the Baptist church and they didn't, my Baptist church didn't talk about baptism of, repent, of the Holy Spirit. But I believed when I received Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me and I was sealed by the Holy Spirit as Ephesians 1 talks about. So I believe I was, I was saved in that moment. And then I believe that I came into the, as I read the Bible, I understood there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's more of the Holy Spirit that I get to have. And so if you, when, you're, when you receive the Lord Jesus, imagine you're an empty cup and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You're that cup. And then what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Put that full cup inside of a full pitcher of water. And so now Holy Spirit's not only inside of you, but he's on you. He's on you and, and surrounding you. So when you, t when you bump into people, God rubs off on them even more. And so, but Paul tells us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we need to seek to keep being filled, keep being filled, keep being filled. First Peter Chapter 1, verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. So when we're born again, we're not going to wither and die and fall off the body. This, the, the fleshly shell is decaying, but our spirit is, is growing and being made, made new. And this is because the word of the Lord that was spoken. And so what was, 
all of us came into the kingdom by the word of God, right? Jesus calling you, giving you the invitation to come in some form or another. So for some of you, you know, I, I remember one of the words that God used to, uh, for me to become born again was out of Revelation 3 about not being lukewarm but being either hot or cold. And that word, it was, it was like it got into me and it was not going to leave. Even though for two years it kind of is, it marinated in me and it, it haunted me, so to speak. But this word was not letting go. It was like, it was like, you know, this, this tree that was going to grow in me, whether I liked it or not. And that's what the word of God is imperishable. And so we were all born by the word of the Lord that's imperishable. So it's this, it's this, uh, this spirit seed that doesn't wither, it doesn't die. Now we go on. So when you were born from your mother's womb, you were born into slavery. You were born with an orphan heart. You were born into sin. You were born under the sentence of death. You were born under condemnation and the voice of the accuser. And you were born with eyes for only temporal things. You could only see, the, like Nicodemus, what was he? He's like, he could only see the temporal things, like the fleshly things, the natural things. You were born into striving. You were born into... under the sentence of eternal life of empowerment you were born with eyes for the eternal you were born into rest you were born into favor and you by faith in Christ we've been made right with God 1 John 3.9 says, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. I want to tell you that it's, it's no longer in your nature to sin. Now, do we sin? Yes. But instead of you being a sinner that sometimes does righteous things you you're a saint that sometimes sins you're a saint now that sometimes sins you've been made righteous by the blood of jesus and so you when you were born again in the bible i mean it's i can't list all the scriptures here because we'd be here all day but it's very clear second corinthians five seventeen says you are actually a new creation so you were born with heaven's dna inside of you you have heaven's DNA. And sometimes we get, we get lost in our, our weaknesses and our fragility. And it's like you, the kingdom of heaven is increasing every day all the way up into the manifestation of, of Jesus returning and his kingdom coming and in all of its glory. And so we, we wrestle with our flesh 
because it's still trying to hold on. But it's really, it's, it's been crucified on the cross because that's what the Word of God says. And so part of living in victory is just believing the victory. That it's already been accomplished for you because you're not born again by striving, right? You're not born again by the will of man. You're born again by whoever believes in him has the right to become children of God. So your behaviors follow your beliefs. So if you're having bad behaviors in an area, it's simply because you have bad beliefs. You're believing a lie somewhere. So no one who is born of God practices sin. Now what this means is habitual practicing, like you're practicing, just like, hey, I want Josiah, if he wants to get good at shooting the three ball, he's got to go out and practice. And this is what this is talking about, getting reps in, habitual, practicing sin. You're not born of God if that happens. We all slip up, we all sin unintentionally. And so this is not what that's talking about. It's talking about where I'm giving myself to a sin. So it's in my nature to practice righteousness, peace, and joy. My attachments to this world are falling to the wayside every day. This is not my home. I'm getting more and more used to heaven being my home. And when heaven is your home, the world can't manipulate you. The shakings can't manipulate you. The trials can't manipulate you. I'm not saying that it won't, it's not hard or there might not be some pain involved. But you can't be, you're not tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, by every shaking that comes around. And the Lord, why does the, why does the Lord shake things in the earth? The Lord shakes things to remove everything that hinders love. So like 2020 was encouraging. It was an encouraging year because God is shaking things. God's exposing the things that can be shaken. And some of it is our, maybe <laughs> what we were putting hope in and God shook those things. But the, the end result of what we're putting hope in, if it can be shaken, is that it makes us even stronger and more stable in the Lord because he's like, listen, that thing, you're like, that's going to kill you or that's going to that's mislead you. And so the shakings are, are a blessing. I mean, why, why would James say, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds? Why would he ever say that? He says it's so you can become mature. So you can grow up in your faith. So you can be unshakable. So you can be. Well, Isaiah 35 talks about the highway of God. And it's, it, it describes it as like this level highway. That there's no beast on it. Meaning beasts are oftentimes symbolize demonic activity. And so there's no beast on this highway. It's the highway of the Lord. And, and Isaiah 35. I mean, so what it means. It's not this up and down thing. Where you're. You are manipulated by your emotions, by the, what the things of the world and what the world says. And so we're, you know, Jesus, one of the, the names of, of Jesus and, and of God is he is the rock of our salvation. 
And if we're to become like Jesus, we're to become like rocks ourselves. I mean, when the, when the world's shaking and everybody's panicking, they need to look at the church and be like, you're totally at peace. What's going on with you? It's like, well, I know the Prince of Peace. I know the rock. I know like every wave can like crash against this rock and it just doesn't change. It doesn't move. And we want to be like that. We want to be rocks in this world. We want to be, we want to know the Prince of Peace and introduce him to people. It's like, you can have peace. Like you, this is not the end. Death is a doorway. Don't fear death. First John chapter 5, 1 through 4 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And get this, I love, this is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. And his commandments are not burdensome. How many of y'all, if you grew up in church, or maybe you didn't grow up in church, but at some point in your life, you saw the commandments of God as like, dude, that's heavy, man. God's like just trying, he doesn't want me to have any fun. How many of y'all, raise your hand if that was you at some point in your life. So right here it's saying the commandments of God are not burdensome. And so another way to look at the commandments of God is he's drawing boundary lines just like he did with the Garden of Eden, right? Garden of Eden had a perimeter. And within that perimeter was the communion and the blessing of the Lord, intimacy with the Father. Blessing, no shame, joy, peace, and, until the fall. And so what God's commandments are is he, he's drawing a perimeter. He's like, this is where the blessing is. This is where the pleasures of being in my presence are. Outside of that is separation from me, is pain, and it may feel good. Just like the, the devil tempted, is like, listen, this is going to be great. Trust me, you're going to be like God. <laughs> we buy that same lie, and we think we know better than the Lord. But he's, he is a good father, just like I'm, gonna t I'm not going to tell Josiah to go play in, in the middle of I-20 because I want him to live and I want him blessed. I don't want him to die. It's the same way with the, with the commandments of the Lord. He's like, this is, this is the way of blessing. This is the way of life. It's not a joy kill. It's, it's what gives us joy. We've done street preaching before, and one of the things that always comes up in my heart is to tell people, it's like, God's not trying to send people to hell. He said, over my son's dead body, do I want you to go to hell? He gave everything to stop that from happening. But the, but the devil twists it and makes, makes it, even with preachers sometimes, who might be street preaching, and all they're doing is saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a truth that's been twisted. Without Jesus, you are going to hell. But God did everything in his power. He bankrupted heaven to make sure that, that you don't have to go that way. He, he, laid, he sacrificed his own son so that we wouldn't have to go to hell, that we wouldn't be separated from him. We wouldn't have to pay the price for your sins. And at some point, somebody, I, I tell people, I was like, you either have to pay the price for your sin or Jesus can pay the price. You choose. 
but the heart of God is lost sometimes when people's like this when they think of when people think of hell it's like no hell was created for the devil and his demons and then all who choose to cooperate with him and follow him they get the same taste of eternity in hell all those who follow Jesus get the taste of his eternity <laughs> at the right hand of the father and so we were born from above where life is we've been born from above where love is I carry the culture of heaven I've been born into a life without shame or hindrance in God's presence and I've been born into an inheritance that does not decay so we've been birthed from God's womb now this is something that I just kind of caught this week so this is this is new for me but so in Genesis chapter 2 it says the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man you jump forward to John chapter 19 Jesus is on the cross he's given up his spirit one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear and immediately blood and water came out first John 5 6 through 8 this is the one who came by water and blood Jesus Christ not with water only but with water and with the blood it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth for there are three that testify the spirit and the water and the blood and the three are in agreement so I want to connect these these scriptures together so Eve was Adam's bride right she was formed out of Adam's side put Adam to sleep and did surgery <laughs> opened him up took a rib from his side and created Eve the bride of Christ was birthed out of Jesus's side when he was pierced with the spear out of that blood and water flowed was what happens when a woman gives birth to a child blood and water flows the water breaks and there's blood and so just as Eve was birthed out of the side of of, of Adam his his bride was birthed out of the side of Adam the bride of Christ is birthed out of Jesus's side when he was pierced and he was wounded for our transgressions and the blood and the water flow and then that says that the spirit testifies to this birth of water and blood and so through the cross and through the resurrection we have we've been born again we've been born from above and so God's already gone through the labor pains of birthing the church by Jesus dying on the cross and as a result I can now rest from my labors and eat the fruit of his labors and so I want to I have some uh, declarations I want us to say together so y'all just repeat after me say I'm born of God I have a new home 
My father is rich. I have a new DNA. It is natural to be supernatural. I rule and reign with Christ beside our Father. I'm like the wind. I move in harmony with Holy Spirit. I want to look at that third declaration real quick before we finish up. And I've been talking about this the last week or so, that God is rich. Now, what I, am I telling you to go uh, buy a Porsche and God's going to back you up with it? No. I'm not this. I'm telling you, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. God is rich in the sense that you lack nothing. Think about it. You have heaven through the blood of Jesus. You're a co-heir with Christ. And there's plenty of rich people who are miserable. Right? There's poor people that are miserable. There's middle class people that are miserable. So what's so the key to being rich is having is being wealthy on the inside, having a wealthy heart. Having you know, I was reading in the Gospels this past week, it talked about um, people having an evil eye, or which is translated also as having like a covetous eye. So the evil eye wants. It's selfish. It's grabbing. It's, it's covetous. It's jealous. It's bitter. It can't have enough. And then Jesus said, don't be like the one that has the evil eye. Have a generous eye. That's your, he's like, your eye needs to be good. And so when we have a good eye, we see things in a way as like, I've got plenty to give away. I have no lack. Because what, what's born, what creates the evil eye is this sense of like, I don't have enough. I'm an orphan. I don't, I, nobody's going to take care of me. I've got to strive. I've got to fight. I've got to scratch and claw for everything that I have. As opposed to, I've got a daddy that takes care of me. I can just walk into my daddy's house, eat from the pantry, drink his water. He pays the bills. God has paid the bill. That's what I'm talking about. You're rich. He's paid your bills. And it will translate into him providing for you financially. But that's not the focus. The focus is, as Colossians 2 talks about, it says the true wealth is knowing the mystery of God, which is hidden in Christ. It talks about the wealth of God, and it says knowing the mystery of Christ, the mystery of God, which is hidden in Christ. So to be wealthy is know Jesus, to know him intimately, and to know what he's, he has purchased for you. So let's stand. We're going to worship a little while longer. If our ministry team will come off over here to the side. In our ministry time, what it, what it looks like is you listening to the Holy Spirit, you talking to the Holy Spirit, and just letting Him do whatever He wants to do. Ministering at the, at the feet of Jesus. But we believe that, that worship is our highest calling. Communion with God is everything flows out of that. You want to be a great father, you need to be intimate with the Lord. You want to succeed at your job, you got to be intimate with the Lord. You want to change the world, you got to be intimate with the Lord. You want to uh, 
raise the dead and heal the sick, you got to be intimate with the Lord first. Everything flows out of that place. And so during ministry time, we, we take our time to wait on the Lord. But we have our ministry team over here. If, the, if, if you, you want somebody to pray with you, if you have any physical uh, pain or afflictions of any kind, we'd love to pray for you about that because we believe that the Lord's a healer. So, Josiah, go ahead and fire it up, and uh, we're going to worship here.